Praise God. All righty, man. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's ready. Amen. Well, I love that song. He's already done it. Uh, it's, all we got to do is accept it. All we have to do is take it. All we have to do is claim it. It's not blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. It's simply standing in faith. Janie spoke it last week. That whole key is faith. Give it up for my wife and the job she did last week. Amen. Great, great job. Great job, honey. Amazing. Today we started a new sermon series called Take Heart. So again, if you want to come out tonight, we encourage you to come out. Even if you don't know if you can make it to Cherokee in September, uh, we're doing a big outreach up there the 20th and 21st. We'll have some pricing. Uh, we were able to cut the costs, I think, by a third uh, this year from last year. And it was cheap last year, so we're about a third of what we were last year. We're also going to be going to Cherokee on Sunday night, June the 23rd. 5 o'clock service up there, plus we're going to do a big parking lot cookout. So if you have uh, an opportunity to come uh, in June on the 23rd, we're going to do a service. It'll be a great time. We'll talk more about it tonight and uh, just try to hook up with the people there and do a great thing. So hope you're having a great day. Uh, we're kind of getting to the throes of summer. It feels like summer already, 90 degrees, and uh, God is still good. Amen? Amen. All the time. God is good. Amen. So... Uh, take heart. We're going to talk about just the idea behind Jesus speaking, take heart. Uh, that's a term that's not found in the King James Version, by the way. It's found in the English Standard Version, Holman's Christian Standard Bible, uh, the basic uh, Bible in English Version. There's a lot of take heart in there. It really means take courage. Uh, but there's a deeper meaning, and I don't know why it's not in King James, but there's a deeper meaning uh, when we study it out. We'll try to get into it today, but our thought behind take heart is taking three or four times where Jesus spoke it in the New Testament and learn the principle from it. So the first one is a faith principle. So we'll tag on what Janie spoke, what Janie spoke about last week. The key is having faith. We'll, we'll hook on that and just some ways that we can operate in our faith. So stand with me this morning, and we're going to come out of Matthew, the ninth chapter, verses 1 and 2. Bible says, in getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart. Everybody say, take heart. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Pause there for a second. First of all, don't miss that moment when Jesus said, take heart, your sins are forgiven. That's a big deal, right? How many sins have been forgiven by the Lord? Amen. That's a big, big deal. Give the Lord a shout of praise really quickly. That's a big deal. We don't ever want to underestimate the fact that your sins are forgiven. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that we can take heart. Our sins are forgiven. Lord, you are, you've given the power, you've, you have the power to forgive us of our sins. We have the power to accept that forgiveness. So, Father, we, we accept that forgiveness and we thank you. Help us to learn the principles today just of faith, oh God, Lord, of being able to walk in faith, the dynamics of faith and believing. Lord, open our hearts today that we can take heart, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. You excited today? You, are you ready? That was such a good song. Praise God. And uh, so the same story then is also in Mark. And I'm going to read Mark uh, 2, 1 through 6 really quickly so that you can just tag along with it because it then has some principles in there as well. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. 
And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts. And think about that, because here, here's the two different versions of heart. The scribes are sitting there questioning in their heart, and yet Jesus says to the paralytic, take heart, your sins are forgiven. So we kind of examine, there's these two bases. You can doubt in your heart, or you can have faith in your heart, okay? You can, you can believe in your heart, or you can say it's not going to happen. And, and our heart is our intellectual property. It's that emotional property. It's that responsible property. The heart, in fact, when uh, Samuel went down to Jesse's house to anoint the new king. He didn't know it was going to be David. He started uh, dressing the, the older brothers by Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah. When he got to Eliab, the oldest, he said, this must be the king. He's tall, he's dark, he's handsome, he's strong, he's built. And uh, God says, no, you look at the outside appearance, but I look at the heart. In fact, Romans, the second chapter, verses 12 and 15, people will always say, what about those in another land who haven't had the gospel preached to them? Is it fair that they would perish to hell. We know that Jesus saves, and then it calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? But Paul writes in the second, in Romans, the second chapter, verses 12 through 15, that men are excused or accused by their heart. And so, in other words, this heart determines, in fact, uh, thy sin of thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, this heart is a ruling factor. And if we don't take care of our heart, both physically and spiritually, then we die, right? So we have to take care of our heart. We have to understand what this heart is. And so I'm going to give you some things today where Jesus talks. And in, in one of the verses there, let me go back to Mark's gospel. And he says, I have, where he says, I have seen their faith. Do we have that one? Yeah, verse, that verse number five, I've seen their faith. So he, he sees these guys, Jesus seeing their faith. He said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an irony here by the hearer, by the reader. So they, they're, the scribes are saying, how can he forgive sins? Does he have the power to forgive sins? He doesn't have that kind of power. And Jesus goes on and has a, a dialogue with him. Is it easier for me to say, uh, pick up your bed and walk? Or that your sins are forgiven, but so that you know that the power of man, the power of God has the authority in the Son of Man. He says, pick up your bed and walk. Your sins are forgiven. So he has this whole process of believing, and our belief we'll talk about today, our belief needs to turn into action. If we don't believe, how can we act upon it? And so sometimes we have to see to believe, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But there's three things I want you to, to grab a hold of this thing that as a Christ follower, how many Christ followers do we have today? You're, I mean, you're, you're sold out the whole route, right? God loves you. You're on, you're on his team. If you're a Christ follower, there's a couple things here that you need to grab a hold of so that you can practice. And the first thing is other people need to see your faith. People have to see what type of faith you walk in. Now, what happens sometimes in the old days is we would take our Bible and we would beat people over the head with it, right? We'd say, you need to be a believer. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. And this is why God doesn't like you. But God loves everybody, so that, that's really not true, right? 
If God loves, if God is love and he loves everybody, and we've seen that in the song, we see it in his word that God is love, right? So if God is love and God loves everybody, then the starting point is not that people have to get better, they have to accept the love that God has for them. If they accept the love that God has for them, that becomes their faith. They start a faith walk with Jesus. And if you start a, a faith walk with Jesus, then other people start to see your faith. If other people see your faith. See, Jesus saw the faith in these four friends. And we'll talk about it a little bit later on. He saw the faith in these four friends that brought this paralytic man and brought him down to Jesus so that he could be healed. I want to be that type of friend. I want to be the friend that gets people in place with Jesus, okay? I want to be the friend that says, okay, man, none of us totally have it figured out, but I know one thing, that if I love Jesus, he's already loved me, and it's already done. All the things that I've already got to pray for, he's already taken care of me because he is Lord, amen? And if we understand that and we start to walk on that, it increases our faith and it starts to build our faith. We need to let other people see our faith. James, Jesus' half-brother, tells a, a real short story about Elijah. In James, the fifth chapter, verse 17 and 18, he says, Elijah was a man with the same nature as ours. In other words, he was like us, okay? He was born into this world. He was like us. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Wouldn't it be so cool, not about the rain, but wouldn't it be so cool if you prayed and God answered? He does. The key word there is fervently. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, it avails much. Some of us give up before we give in. So we need to start giving in to God and say, okay, God, I know that my family's going to get saved, or I know this person's going to get healed, or I know these things are going to work out, I know it's going to work through. We give up and say, it's all right, it's all right if they don't go to church. It's all right if they don't give. It's all right if they don't show up. And we have a very passive, laissez-faire attitude towards what God wants us. God is counting on you to pray. God is counting on you to intercede for somebody. How many people do we walk by in a day or a week and that are dying and going to go to a devil's hell not made for them, and the Lord needs us to pray for them? Church, it's important. It's powerful. So Elijah was this man. In verse number 18, he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now let's tell the real story in 1 Kings 18 chapter. Here's really what happened. And, and James, is, is this is right on what he's saying, but he's brought this whole story down to two sentences, two, two verses. And so what happened is Elijah uh, was, by the power of God, he prayed, and the rain that doesn't rain, famine crossed the land, three and a half years dry, like this time of the year, if we don't water our grass once or twice a week, it's going to start drying up. And so three and a half years of no rain, no rain means no fruit, no fruit means no vegetables, no produce, no income, no substance, no food, nothing of that. And so then Elijah's going to pray again, and he prays six different times, and this is the power of prayer, he prays six different times, and every time he sends his assistant out, go see if there's a rain cloud out there. So his assistant goes out there, he looks, no rain cloud, comes back in, uh, there's no rain cloud, Elijah. So Elijah, the seventh time he prays, he says, now go see if there's a, a, a cloud out there. So he goes out there and he looks up into the heavens, and over the sea there's a cloud, the Bible says, the size of a man's hand. Just like that, he's, he comes walking back in. I don't know if he comes in full of faith. I'm thinking he doesn't. He comes back in. He says, well, there's, a, there's a, a cloud out there the size of man's hand. And Elijah goes nuts. Elijah's like, yes, 
That's a storm cloud. Go tell King Ahab he better get his stuff in order. If he's going to move, he needs to move now because there's a storm coming. Now that's faith. Faith is when you can take something really, really small and say, that's got to be God right there. That's, that's God. That, that's a God moment. See, we, we want to make sure the bank account is full. We want the whole family saved and in church. And we, we don't want anything bad to happen. We say, yeah, where's your faith at? Where's your faith when you got a son in jail? Where's your faith when you got someone that's been diagnosed with cancer? Where's your faith when you got a wife on her deathbed? Where, you, know, you know where your faith, that faith's got to be the grain of a mustard seed that just unctions up inside you and say, my God will prevail. My God will prevail. And that's what happened with Elijah's assistant. He came running in and said, well, there's a cloud out there. And Elijah's like, yeah, he saw Elijah's faith. Ahab saw Elijah's faith. If people will see your faith, you might draw them to God. If they can just see your, they may not have any faith, it's okay. They may see your faith. If they can see your faith, you might be standing between someone and no faith. And if they have your faith or see your faith, all of a sudden they start to draw to God. If they say, man, if he can get saved through that, or if he can love God through that, or if she can serve God through that, or if he, they can believe God through that, how, why can't I believe God? They can believe God because even Jesus saw their faith. And because Jesus saw their faith, he acted on it. It wasn't the paralytic's faith. It was the friend's faith. Now, listen, we all need faith. In fact, even the apostles came to Jesus in Luke 17 and said, Lord, increase our faith. We need, we need more faith. We, we've got to have some faith. We've got to grow in this thing. And Elijah says that the, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. That if we just call for the elders of the church, why, who are they? They're people that have ex exemplified their faith. There are people that have walked in their faith. There are people that have walked their faith out. There are people have, that, have, that have owned it. They have earned it. They, there are people that they've, they've never wavered from their faith. We have, Jane and I have people in our life that have never wavered from their faith. They're, they're senior than us. They're, they're, we'd call them saints. We would call them living saints because they've actually walked through this thing through. And we say, man, those, those guys are like models of faith. That's what I want to be to people in my life. I want them to look at me and say, man, I can see their faith. Not foolish faith. No, no, strong faith. If the cloud is the size of a man's hand, I want that to just, hey, that, that cloud wasn't there the last previous six times. There must be something there. And Elijah raises up and says, now that's a storm cloud coming. Now we're from the Midwest. In the Midwest, you can see the storm clouds coming from miles away, but they don't look like the size of a man. They're a black wall cloud. It's a, we call it a tornado. And it's a black wall cloud, and you can see it, and you want to take cover, and some people will chase the storms down, and they might make it through it, they might not, and you see the hail, and, and this is all the damage done, and, but you can see it. But this was a little, little cloud the size of a man's hand, and Elijah was so excited because he knew God was working. It doesn't take a lot to a person of faith to say, hey, God is getting ready to work. God is getting ready to move. Something's going to happen. I can't explain it. I don't know it, but I know God is on the move. Some of you know that we, we go out on Thursdays and 
and we share, we knock on the doors. Two things I wanted to do this year uh, in my own personal walk with the Lord. One was I wanted to read through the Bible as many times as I could, and I'm um, in the middle of my third time reading through the Bible cover to cover. I hope to do it at least four, maybe five times, but I'm going to do it at least four times reading through the Bible cover to cover. That was a personal goal I set at the start of the year. And another thing was then that when we preached in March on evangelism, I set a goal before that was that I wanted to go out and evangelize at least once a week if 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 at least possible. Janie and I started in December. We actually started before that, but we started around Christmas time, and I wanted, I wanted to go knock on doors. And I know knocking on doors is kind of old school, uh, but our little granddaughter, Salo, she's two years and three months or so. Uh, she looks up at her daddy and Mar Marcus, our son, and she said, Daddy, we're going to go knock on doors. Daddy, can we go knock on doors? I think that's a spirit of evangelism. That's a spirit of, of what God hopefully has called all of us to do. And so I wanted to go knock on doors this year, and I wanted, I wanted to do what I'm asking the church to do. I asked the church to do it. I want to do it. So I do it on Thursdays for a couple of reasons. One, Janie and the worship team have worship practice, and I know that there's a spiritual covering whenever they're in worship practice so that they, while they're singing, we're out knocking on doors. I know there's a, there's a backing. Two, I wanted to get a bunch of guys that are bigger than me so that if the parts of town we go into, that if, that if anything should happen, I'm covered because I'm not stupid. All right? So I, I, I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, you can come. Yeah, yeah, you can come. Yeah, yeah, you can. Hey, can I come? Yeah. Put you on somebody else's team. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've never done that. And so on Thursdays we go, and we go to different parts of town. Some of the parts of town that we go to aren't the best. And when I say that, they're, they're, they're marked as maybe some of them are crack houses or drug places. And, and some, honestly, and I, I mean this from my heart, some of the nicest people that we've talked to are in some of these houses and establishments and apartments or whatever. And so uh, my friend and I, Daryl, come up here, Daryl, because I, I had to use you for just a second. Daryl goes out with me. Daryl's part of our team. And uh, you're, you're learning Daryl's story. Daryl doesn't mind me sharing 18 times. 17 rehabs failed. One, the last one took 18 rehabs. 25 years on drugs. Amen. Now you've been clean for four or five months, right? Six months. Six, high five, baby. Six, six months. So stay right there. Six months clean, five or six years in prison. Are you on probation? <laughs> no. Oh, good. All right, because that's part of my story. So, uh, so you graduated. <laughs> Another high five. Praise God. Well, so Darren and I go out, and I pick, I want, I want, so I want guys that are saved, but in Daryl's case, I don't want them totally sanctified in case we get into a place. Like, I, I'm okay if they're not quite there yet and they don't mind throwing a punch, right? So, like, when he gets sanctified, I'll put him on the shelf and get somebody else that ain't quite all the way, like we would say, all the way saved. <laughs> so, no, I'm just teasing. And so Daryl and I go out, and uh, we, we hit quite a few houses the other night. And we're getting, we hit some apartment, apartment complex, which was five different units, and there was four or six different apartments in each unit. And we're hitting them, and people are slamming the door in our face, and people are talking, and we're praying, and, and we're, we're just we're having a great time. And we're down to like three or four pieces of information left. And so what we do is we park my Jeep, and then we do a kitty, uh, we do like a, a, a clover. We go down one side, come up the other, then go down the side, come up the other. And this particular place, since we saw the apartments were quite a bit away, and we're walking up there. We have four pieces of literature left. And I, 
said, Daryl, let's hit these four or five houses, and then we'll go back to the Jeep. It was after an hour. He's got people that keep a close watch on him. If it's over an hour, they're starting to text, like, hey, where are you, man? And so uh, his texture was going off, and I said, let's hit, let's go. And why do we go to this one house? Somebody up the street is yelling, like they are screaming. I don't know if it's a domestic dispute, if it's a fight. And it's been a long time since I've been in a really good fight. And I, I wasn't looking at getting into one, but I wouldn't mind watching one every now and then. It just I'm only partly serious. And so we go to a couple doors, and then I start taking off walking. And Daryl... Uh, Daryl knows he, he's got to stay with me. And so he comes walking, and we're walking together, and we get up to this house, and there's a guy on the front porch who just is just, he's, he's yelling all by himself. There was nobody there. And Daryl said, had been by this place before. There's some bad news, and there's two big pit bulls chained up out front. And uh, so we go to the, to the curb, and this guy starts yelling at us and cussing us and get the blank out of here and, and we said hey man we're here to help can we you know I say I say a very religious thing hey is there anything we can pray with you about well this guy's obviously having a really bad day you know and so like no you can't pray get out of here blank me blank and this and that the dogs are perched up and they're like Rrr. and uh, he's like Rrr. and uh and so we're talking, and Daryl says some really kind things to the guy, and, hey, we don't have to go. We're on the street. And I felt like you were challenging him just a little bit, maybe, just a little bit. And so I'm like, I don't know if you're on probation still or not. I said, man, we, we got to be careful. I don't, like, I don't want Daryl back in jail, and I don't want to be the headline of a newspaper, you know, <laughs> pastor punches person and then prays for him. I, I don't need that. And so I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I want to engage, but I want to do it with wisdom. And Daryl's not at the wise part yet, so he's still, he's just, he's talking to the guy. Well, the guy, like, just flies off the front porch, and he comes running after us. And you, you were on this side of me, right here, so let's, uh, we're going to play it out for a second. So Daryl's quite a bit bigger than me, as you can see, which, again, is why he and I go together. And so we're, like, not on the guy's property, and he is just like this, and stuff is spewing out of his mouth, and did he hit you in the chest a few times, or just a few, he times. Came, just a few <laughs> times? You showed tremendous restraint, and so then I said, I said something, and he starts telling me where he wanted me to spend eternity. It, yeah, it wasn't heaven, and he called me every name in the book, and Daryl pushes me aside and steps in front of me. Well, all right, now it's on. Now, now I know... This is only going to go one way, and it's bad. Because this guy was screaming. Daryl said, don't you disrespect my pastor. Takes his hat off, and he's more bald than I am. And the guard just goes after his baldness, you know. And it was like, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. He can't go back to jail. I can't, nobody can hurt this guy because we don't want to hurt the guy. We're, we're here to pray for him. But this guy definitely wants to hurt both of us. And so I say, shut up, devil. And like, I, told, I was telling Janie about it later, so you called the guy a devil. I said, no, I, would, I wouldn't, didn't call him a devil. I was speaking to the spirit in him, and she said, how did that go? I said, well, not really good at first. In fact, I, I had to say it again. He said, what did you call me? I said, shut up, devil. The Lord rebukes you. And, and Daryl, who's, it, go ahead and give the Lord a shout out. That's a, so Daryl. Daryl, who I'm discipling, and, and I'm not sure who's discipling who sometimes, he says, yeah, shut up, devil. Just like, it's like, like a parakeet. It was the coolest thing in the world. And the guy gets ready to throw his finger at Daryl one more time. And right in the middle of it, he stops. And he puts his head down. 
And instantly, because Daryl's been there before, Daryl gives him a big old bear hug. Now, I don't know if Daryl's going to, yeah. I don't know if Daryl's going to bear hug him and put him back on porch, or Daryl's going to start loving on him. Daryl just, man, gives him just a big, gentle bear hug. And this guy starts to melt. And this guy that was dropping every bad word in the book and told us where to go and how to get there, and he was going to help us get there as quickly as possible. He leaves, and he goes over, and he sits on a little, like a swing in the yard, thankfully out of the pit bull's range. And Daryl says, hey, can we come over and talk? Can we come back? Can we come on your property and talk to you? And the guy says, yeah. And he, Daryl sits by him, and I kneel down by him, and we say, hey, man, we're here for you. We're here for you. And the guy said this. This is really important. Because we wear gray shirts. One of our guys made up a gray shirt team and it says Encounter Life Evangelistic Team. And it says grace real big on it. And the guy says, when I was getting ready to, to throw my finger at you one more time, when I looked up, I saw that word grace. And I wondered if it was for me. Now think about that, church. Think about that. Because Daryl restrained himself. I didn't know who I was going to pull off of who. He, you were going to kill, I mean, you would have beat the guy bad. Yes, sir. Yes, you would have. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. That's why he goes with me. So Janie says, be, be, take care of yourself. And, and I say, I will. I got Daryl. I got Daryl and the Holy Spirit. Like, it's a trifecta, me, Daryl, and the Holy Spirit. We're good to go. If the Holy Spirit's late on arrival, he's going to take care of the problem. And so the, the man just starts crying, and then he starts laughing. He's like, you would have killed me. He, you would have just taken care of me, only he's using, like, expletive deleted, expletive deleted, blankety blank, blank. You would have blankety blank, blankety blank, expletive deleted me. And yes, Daryl said, I would have. And I said, it's not, wasn't going to end good for anybody. But listen, the same grace that we can wear is the same grace that you can receive. And he, re he apologized up and down. He, he said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I disrespected you. And I said, listen, dude, don't worry about it. Man, I, I pastor a church that disrespects me all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I meant that in a good way. And, and he, he started crying. His daddy was a pastor. He accepted the Lord in 91. He said, I don't even know. Like, I'm not sure where I'm at. And he's drinking alcohol. And we said, listen, right now, Jesus accepts you right where you're at. He, he loves you just the way you are, man. Like, you don't have to clean yourself up to come to our church. You don't have to clean yourself up to, to love God. That's something God will do through you, okay? And so listen, the, because Ephesians 2 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And, and Daryl and I are Christ followers. This guy actually saw our faith before he saw the faith that he would end up owning. As it turned out, we were laughing, high-fiving. The neighbors are coming out thinking that we're all nuts now because they thought they were coming out for a fight. And we're at the end. We're, we're in a, a prayer circle praying, right? And then you drove by just the other day or two days ago. And the guy told you in two days he hadn't had a beer or a touch of alcohol, <laughs> right? Isn't that, isn't that cool? High five, baby. Give Daryl a hand. God bless you, man. You need to let other people see your faith. You need to be the faith some people don't have just yet because maybe their life is a total wreck and they don't mean it to be that way, but they know because, see, what the worst thing you can do, Christ follower, the worst thing you can do is you can judge somebody. And there was a day, I'm going to be ashamed to tell you this, that I wouldn't have given that guy any attention. I just said, man, this guy's lunatic. Let's move on. Go somebody else. But we stopped there, and just by the power of God, we were able to pray for this guy. 
We were able to laugh at this guy. We were able to talk to this guy. We were able to watch this guy repent in Jesus' name. And, and he said, he said, you guys have been sent here by God. And there is no doubt in my mind that the Lord, that was our last house we visited that day. We were out of information, literature. We prayed. It was, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. But if we can let other people see our faith, like Elijah's assistant, like this gentleman that, that, that Daryl and I witnessed to. And I, again, I, I, was, I was trying to process the thing. I didn't know, if, I don't want Daryl back in jail. I'm starting to like him. I don't want this guy getting hurt because I want to like him. He had a real likable spirit. But he was just having a, a, a moment. He was having a bad day. And don't, aren't you glad when we can see through people's moments and find Jesus in the situation, right? Number two, the second thing I want you to write down or take away with, we have to release the victim mentality. You know, the Bible says that then Jesus says, pick up your bed and go. Pick up your bed and walk. And in other words, this, this paralytic man could have used it as a, as a problem. He could have used it as a situation. He could have used it like, what are you guys doing? Where are you taking me? How come you're... How can you bother me? I'm, I'm paralytic and I know it. Or, or I've got sin and I know it. Or the, the gentleman that, that the Daryl and I were talking to, maybe he, he could have never flipped. He could have never changed. Or he could have never said, hey, guys, yes, would you pray with me? Would you, would you know? And, and Ter- Daryl got to share his testimony about his drug abuse and about his, uh, his, his situation in, in prison and those type of things. And, and, and I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I want you to know that sometimes we use things as a shield and it's, we play the victim card when the Lord wants to set us free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we need to walk in that freedom. Last week we were we were grilling out and uh, I'd cut my finger on the grill, closing the grill up. And for some reason, sometimes when you cut like a tip of a finger, they bleed extra hard, heavy, and it was real sensitive to the touch. And so I, I put a bandaid on it, and we're we're eating. And Sayla was by me and Janie, and she she calls band-aids uh, bam bams and always boo boos. And she she said, "You got a you got a bam bam on your boo boo, Poppy." <laughs> it's the cutest thing in the world. And I said, "Yeah." I said, uh, "Well." I'll, I'll, re, I'll, I'll back up. Earlier in the week, Janie had brought Sayla by. She watches her on Tuesday, and so she brought her by after a dentist appointment, and uh, Sayla wanted to see uh, Poppy, and so I went out to the car, and she had a big scrape on her knee, and I said, uh, you, got a, you got a boo-boo? She said, I got a boo-boo. And so I said, you want me to pray for it? She said, yeah. So I prayed for a boo-boo, and driving away down the street, she told Janie, Poppy, pray for my boo-boo. That was very nice of him. And so it really meant something to her, you know. And so on Mother's Day, when I had this bandaid on and blood was coming out, and she said, uh, I said, she said, got a bam-bam on your boo-boo? I said, yeah, do you want to pray for it? She said, yeah. So she put her hands together and said, Jesus, please heal Poppy's boo-boo. And then, then, as an act of faith, she pressed on it as hard as she could. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, it didn't hurt. Like, it didn't hurt at all. And it was just the faith. She, she was helping me release the victim mentality. Like, you're, you're not a victim. You are now healed, okay? I've prayed for you. You are now healed. I like the childlike faith, right? And listen, church, that's what we need. Jesus told this man to pick up his bed and walk. It's a childlike faith. Whatever Jesus told you you can do, you can do. 
If you're healed, you're healed. If you're set free, you're set free. If, if you're delivered, you're delivered. The only choice then becomes yours. Jesus has done all of the work. I get tired of these people that say the devil made me do it or, oh, this is from God. No, lights out. Satan was defeated at the cross. He was defeated. He's under your feet. Now, do people still die of cancer? Yes, they do, because that's a natural cause that came in because of sin, okay? So sometimes, but listen, Jesus will still walk you through that. Did the past, uh, you mean the past didn't happen? No, the past still happened, but Jesus will walk you through that. If we can release, and I know it's easier said than done for a lot of people, but if we can release the victim mentality in our life, that we can pick up our bed and walk, I'm proud of you will continue to make you free. He will continue to deliver you because that's what he does. Let's go to number three then in closing. You need to practice creative faith. I love this story in part because uh, Mark is a bottom liner. Mark is the shortest gospel, 16 chapters. He kind of gets right to the point. And I probably more times than not, I'm a bottom liner. If someone comes into the office, my answer is usually yes or no, or I don't, I don't carry a lot of conversations. I try to start some. I just being the youngest of eight, they got tired of talking by the time I came around. I'll be honest with you. They all, all the conversation has happened with the older four siblings. And so, uh, but when you look at Mark and you see how he, how he goes into this thing and he talks about how these four guys didn't just stop and say, hey, the house is full, nobody can get in, they're turning the crowd away. They brought the paralytic man. In fact, of all, he's probably maybe 150 pounds. They pick him up on a cot, I'm assuming. They carry him down. Maybe it's a city block, maybe it's two city blocks. They're carrying him. And aren't you glad for friends that will help carry you along the way? Aren't you glad for friends who are there even, and they love you even through some troubles and some trials. This is what we tried to do with this gentleman the other day. And so they're, they're carrying him. They get to the hospital. She had to force her way in. They couldn't force their way in. They have this guy on a cot. And they're, and they're what, what are we going to do? We're here. He needs to see Jesus. So they walk up and around the house. They get on the roof. The house was probably built into a, 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 the side of a hill. They probably had bamboo or so on top and then it was covered with mud and straw and so they they rip off the top of the roof so it wasn't a wouldn't have been a roof like this but they remove the roof they lower the guy down and Jesus is up looking at his faith and I wonder if the religious people are like uh, these guys are just messing it up man alive Jesus is preaching a good word but why is it why is this guy coming down no the reason Jesus preaches the word is so salvation and healing can happen so miracles can take place. And so they lower him down, and Jesus doesn't even pray for him that I'm aware of. He says, your faith has made you whole. Or I, he's seen his faith, and he said, get up and walk, or your sins are forgiven. But so that you can know that the power and authority lie with the Son of Man. Now stop there for a second, because I want to take you all the way back to Exodus, the fourth chapter and the fifth verse. Twice in Exodus, 4.1 and 4.5 is the word believe for the first time in Scripture. Like in other words, in the book of Genesis, the word believe does not exist. 
in Exodus, Moses has a problem. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't hear me? And God says, hey, put your arm in your, in your side, pull it out. It was white with leprosy. Put it back in there. Now pull it out. Now it's healed. He said, throw your staff down. It becomes a serpent. He said, now pick it up. It becomes a staff again. He said, they're going to believe you because I'm on your side. Now, the four paralytic, uh, the, the four carrying the paralytic, they knew that Jesus could heal if they could get just get to him. Now, here's the thing. You have to put faith and action together. Faith can't just be a concept for us. It can't just be a conceptual thought. Well, yeah, I believe, but never act upon it. You can't just say, I've got faith, but never do anything about it. You can't just say, so he says here, God's saying to Moses that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. I'm going to do these things. In other words, they're going to believe. Now, this same word believe is the exact same as Jesus speaking in Matthew 9, 1 and 2, take heart. In other words, he's saying, just, this isn't me just saying this, Jesus is saying, this is me acting on it. Take heart. In other words, believe. And if you believe with action, things will happen. If you believe with action, things will happen. But why, why isn't God moving? What are you doing about it? Why isn't this happening? What are you doing about it? How come my neighbors are never getting, what are you doing about it? See, it's what we can do about it. And this is why he's saying here, believe, that you'll believe in the action. God's going to do it if you just take it and walk on it. So take heart, same meaning, believe. And if we, we see Jesus say, take heart, take the emotional response, take the, the, take the intellectual response. So all of a sudden, everything in my body works to my heart. Yes, I'm taking taking courage, but I'm taking more than that. Not only am I taking courage, I'm taking heart. I'm taking belief that Jesus is going to work it out. Jesus is going to work it out. Now let's go back to that point for a moment, creative faith. There's a story in Genesis, the 30th chapter. Again, I told you one of my, uh, one of my hopes this year is to read through the Bible as many times as I can. Well, Genesis 30 has a really cool story. Jacob had been Jacob had cheated uh, his brother Esau twice in birthright and in blessing, okay? Two things that you need in life, birthright and blessing. Two things Jesus gave you at the cross, birthright and blessing. In other words, nobody can cheat you out of it anymore, only the devil and you, that's it. And he gives you birthright and blessing. Those are the two things that Jacob cheated Esau out of. And so he goes to work for Laban because he wants Rachel. Well, he gets Leah at first, and then he works another seven years, he gets Rachel. And then he's trying to build a flock, so he works six more years for Laban because Laban cheated him once. Now Laban's getting ready to cheat him again. Why? Because Jacob cheated his brother twice, and whatever goes around comes around. Whatever you sow, you reap. Are you with me? You sow good, you reap good. You sow bad, you reap bad. You so screaming at somebody, you're going to reap it someday. All right? Are you with me? So he, so he works 20 years for Laban, and he wants to get some flock. He said, hey, I, I, I own some of this flock. I mean, I raised them up. you got a great herd. I want to take some. I want to go start my own family. I want to start my own flock. I've got some boys now. We got, we, we're ready. And Laban says, okay, over on the side were a bunch of sickly, spotted, and striped goats and lambs and cattle. They were sickly, so sick they couldn't even stand up. And so it's like Laban says, you can take them over there and go. He said, well, uh, I'm going, to take, I'm going to need a little while to nurture him. And so Laban says this, for the next two years, every 
calf, every kid goat, every baby lamb that's born spotted or striped, you can take it as part of your herd. And it's like, he's getting the worst of the worst to begin with. Their production's not going to be real good. Are you with me? And so his good herd's over here. And so Jacob has a creative faith moment and says this. He puts palm trees, branches, in between the whole fence. And so that when you look at the fence, it looks striped. So that even the animals see his faith. Now hear me for a second. Every animal born, even to the good herd, because that's all they see all day, becomes striped or spotted. And for the next two years, Jacob's, Jacob's flock becomes healthy and strong, and everything that's born is striped and spotted. On the bad herd, everything that's born, because they couldn't get up and look at the fence, it becomes solid. And so the herds just absolutely flip. And by the way, what you look at during the day, you become. What you concentrate on, that's what you become. If you concentrate on God and his word, you become more godly. If you concentrate on things that aren't godly, that's what you become. They looked at this fence, and Jacob is creating within them the opportunity to become what they're looking at. And after two years, he takes a healthy herd, and he leaves at nighttime, and Laban comes and follows and says, hey, why are you taking this herd? No, this was the deal. You have to practice creative faith. These guys tore the roof off the building and lowered down their friend. How many wants friends like that in life? How many knows we need friends like that in life? We need the opportunity in life to know that if we stumble and fall, somebody's going to be there to carry us out. Somebody's going to be there to pick us up. Somebody's going to be there not to judge us. Somebody's going to be there to say, hey, it's going to be all right. Let's get a high five. Let's do a little better this time and let's move on. We have to be on each other's side. We have to be on each other's team. It's important, church. It's important that we can look and see faith in each other without judgment. It's important that we can practice creative faith. I don't know what it looks like, your creative faith. Maybe you're, you would do something and, and God would smile upon it where everybody else thought you were just out of your mind. You were crazy. That's not going to work out. Why in the world would you even try something like that? But you know within you that God has planted something in you. You know within the deepest of your heart that, man, this is a God thing. God is... That cloud is the size of a man's hand. Those, those lame cattle that are striped, they're going to be the healthy ones in a couple of years. You know that maybe you're knocking on a door. Maybe it's not a physical door. Maybe it's a spiritual door that you're knocking on. And you just know within yourself that God's going to open that door. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. Nobody looking around. I want you to look at, I want you to answer me as honestly, but you need to listen to me because this is a little bit different close. You need to hear me specifically. If you consider yourself strong in faith, not faith as in I'm a Christ follower, that's good, we want you that way, but strong in faith as in I believe that when I pray, mountains will move. I believe that when I pray, people will get saved. I believe that when I pray, people will get healed. I, I believe that I'm, I am walking strong in my faith. If you say, yes, pastor, I am strong in faith, I want you to stand right now. If you say, I am, I can, yeah, I'm strong in faith, man. I, you bet, I'm gonna, I'm, I might not be there yet, but I'm strong in my faith. God, God is on my side. All right, now, if you're not standing, that's okay. Listen, we are not judging. But I want, if, if there's someone by you that is sitting down, I want you just to, I, we're, it's rally time. 
I want them to look around and see other people's faith because that's the premise of this whole message. It's okay if people see our faith. We need that. If someone by you is sitting down, I want you to rally around that person and maybe just put a hand on their shoulder or maybe grab their hand. Maybe ask them if there's anything that, that you can pray with them about because during this next worship song, Janie's going to sing that You Say song, okay? Because Jesus sees, says those things about you and we know it's already finished and I'm going to pray here in a moment. But I want you to know that if you're not standing today, it's okay. It's okay. The par we, we're going to get you free today in Jesus' name. We're going to get you to where God knows that, that your heart, and, and again, there's no judgment. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God. Well, we thank you for the faith that is increasing in this room. And even the apostles said, increase my faith. We thank you, oh God, for the people here, Lord, that are honest with themselves, either standing or sitting. But Father, Lord, they can see that there's faith in the room. If there's somebody here that needs a, a breakthrough because a, a situation has paralyzed them, Lord, a, a moment has paralyzed them, even maybe spiritually or maybe relationally, Father, Lord, maybe financially. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord, that they, they would capture the faith of other people that, Lord, as we pray, even listen to the words of the next song, Lord, that we know, Father, Lord, that we walk by faith and not by sight. But, Lord, believing, oh, God, what you have for us, we pray right now, God, for freedom in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Continue to pray.
that somebody else might be counting on watching you, the, the faith that you have, they might be watching you and say, if they can do it, I can do it too. Amen. So live your faith out loud. Amen. Take heart. It's going to be a good series. I love any series on faith. Amen. Because faith, faith is what pleases God. So if that's what the word says, I want to please God. And how we please God is just by walking in faith. Even though it may not look like your miracles here, walk it out and just believe it. Amen. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you are so good to us. Lord, help our faith level just to rise up through this series. Lord, just to step up and be all that you've called us to be. If your word says I am more than a conqueror, then I am more than a conqueror. If your word says I can do all things through Christ, I can do all things through Christ. If your word says greater is he that's living in me than he that's living in the world, so be it, Lord. So we're going to walk that out. We're going to declare it. We're going to believe that you are mightier, you are greater than our struggles and our troubles. Whatever we have, God, we're just putting it in your hands. We're saying we believe that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything we can think, ask, or imagine by faith in Jesus' name. Father, just have blessings go with them, surround them, and let your light shine upon everything they do. Let your favor rest upon them. Let your will be done in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all so much. We'll see, see those that can make it tonight at 6 o'clock. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.